Before we get to the show, I wanted to say thank you for supporting, downloading, and streaming The Church in Fix. I know that when I originally kicked off this podcast, I did not think that anyone was going to listen to it at all. I've listened to every episode you've put out. So one of the biggest things um, that I think is a disconnect between, uh, I can't speak for my generation, but for me, uh, and, and any elder is the belief that prayer works. You know, while I've done a lot of bad things in my life, you know, God, if you're if you're real, you know, I I pray that you forgive me. Welcome back to the Church in Fix. I am excited about today's guest. This is a pastor who we used to live in the same city, and we planned on getting together several times. We talked on the phone, but travel schedules kind of kept us apart, and then he decided. Or should I say the Lord decided to move him to a city and he began to pastor a congregation. And I've heard through others more than him, uh, the blessings that have taken place, the way that they manage the property, their church, the way that their buildings are leased out to where he's able to generate an income on that property. I'll let him tell us about that if he chooses to. That's really not the purpose of the podcast. But Jason, why don't you go ahead and just give us a quick introduction of you and what you're involved in before we start moving down what our topic's going to be. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, Brandon, it is a pleasure to be on the podcast. I am a fan of it and of you. Uh, One thing I totally admire about you is you have totally bought into the biblical belief that uh, God has endued everyone with value, with purpose, um, and with power when they are called by his name and filled with his spirit. And you, you exemplify that, the way you value others and strive to make connections with them. Uh, and true connections. And I really, I really admire that. So it's an honor to be on the podcast. Uh, As you mentioned, my name is Jason Olette. I uh, was raised in church. I grew up in a church uh, my entire life. I've been a part of a church um, and as such kind of got into ministry or leadership early on. Uh, However, it was about five years now ago that I felt God really calling us to step into a a deeper role in ministry. I didn't realize it, but that led to us ultimately uh, becoming a pastor. Uh, We became pastors in January of 2016 in Pflugerville, which is a suburb of Austin, Texas. And it has been the most difficult and challenging uh, role that I've ever held in my life. But it's also been the most rewarding. Uh, God has really blessed us. Uh, I've hopefully learned a lot. I, uh, I still feel like I'm a bit like Solomon. I, I'm young and I don't know how to perform my duties, but, but God's helping, he's blessing, he's leading us and guiding us. And uh, we're doing the best that we can amidst, amidst unique and uh, confusing and difficult times. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that right now, the question that I continue to ask everybody, because one, I'm very interested in it, But two, we really are unique in the situation that most of the people that we know or we are connected with, and it doesn't matter if they're an elder in the church or a younger minister, no one has ever kind of faced what's going on in the world here in the America's church and had to rethink or reevaluate the way that they pastor our local churches connect with their their people, their communities. And so to your point, 
you know, over the past five years, you've had unique challenges and we've talked a little bit. I've reached out a few times and just said, Hey, let's talk. And, and I've never had a problem just talking until someone has to say, okay, well I have to go, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> but, but just oh hearing, my, look at the time, look at the time. <laughs> right. But, but I know that, uh, through those conversations, there have been challenges and they've been unique and, and you've pushed through and you've got through those and God's really blessed what's going on there in your city. But now you're faced with something that no one could really prepare you for what to do. And then not only that, but every minister that we know is facing the exact same situation at the same time. So what are you doing to not only meet the needs of your local church right now and and your saints. I mean, we have people that are having challenges with employment. We have people that are having challenges with their faith in general because they're facing things that they've never seen before uh, as well. But what are you doing to make sure that you are being there, you're being present, and you are staying involved, but then you are also continuing to hold services in some way, shape, or form while all of this is taking place? Absolutely. Um, man, what a question. You know, I, I can say at the offset, we're doing probably what many churches are doing. Uh, we're holding services online. Uh, we were in a service schedule Wednesdays and Sundays, and we have those services. We also uh, are, a group, are a church with small groups, and so we are hosting those small groups via Zoom, um, Facebook Live, uh, online means of communications. Uh, we also have a leadership team and we, with our leadership team, have sought to reach out to every member of the church, our children's ministry team, literally calling uh, with parents' permission, of course, and trying to speak to children over the phone and encourage them and, and touch them weekly and connect with them. So we're doing a lot that other people are doing as well. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned, how are we meeting those needs? Right. And that's one of the things that is so difficult. You know, the Bible gives us a strong challenge. It, it exhorts us to, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And one thing that that has kind of stirred in me is that you don't know someone's weeping. and You don't know someone's rejoicing unless you truly know them, unless you're truly connected to them. There's that deep longing and need for connection. And it's a necessity in the family of God. If we're going to call, uh, if we're going to fulfill the commandments and the call that God has placed on us, then we've got to connect. And that's one of those things that daily through this pandemic, I have uh, just been challenged by and prayerfully, God, lead me today to call who you would have me to call, to mm -hmm. connect with who you would have me to connect with. I heard on a podcast, I think it was probably Andy Stanley. It might've been Dave Ramsey's entree leadership. I don't know, but it was just uh, a simple point that uh, when there's that disconnect and it was even before this pandemic, but I'm reminded of it, but it said when you're challenging, when you're challenged by uh, whether it be long distance or you're challenged by, you know, multiple campuses and there's not a regular interaction that's when you've got to over communicate. You've got to almost bug someone for them to know that you care. And so we've tried to do that. 
Mm-hmm. I've tried to send those random texts. Hey, how can I pray for you? Is there anything that you need? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling today? Can't wait to worship with you again. Right. You know, I, I think the ministry, I don't know if you'd call it the ministry of presence or, or what it might be called, is so valuable. I, I think so much more than what we're willing to admit sometimes. Last year, uh, I lost a, a, a friend. And I remember while he was still living, he was he was the one person, man. And I, I've been so blessed to have so many great friends, man. I, I just I, I it's it, sometimes I sit back and I and I, I just can't hardly believe it. Uh, just great people. But he was the one out of everybody that it just seemed like if I was having a bad day when I was, you know, we all have those days where you start feeling sorry for yourself or whatever it is, you know, that, that day that you need connection, that I would get a text message from him. And it was, it could be something just as simple as, Hey bro, you know, I'm with you, you know, I'm here. Yeah. I, I mean, and it may not even say anything else, but I would always get those. And I remember like one of the, the the areas of loss that I experienced was understanding that I'll I was never going to get that again. And so I felt like an emptiness, like like there was that disconnect. And to your point, I think that especially right now, we have to have a, a ministry of presence, if we can call it that, to where people know that we are still there. We're not just saying that we care. We're, we're not just using those words, hey, we love you, just because it's what we're supposed to say, or we read the Bible tells us that we're supposed to have love, but we really genuinely are concerned about our brothers and staying connected. So when I hear you say that, I love the fact that you are thinking about that. And, and so outside of yourself, and you talked about your small group teams, do you have teams of people that are doing that as well? We do. Yeah, we have we have a leadership team that comprises mostly of the uh, licensed ministers in our churches, the leaders of specific ministries. And those are the ones that we're relying on heavily to reach out to each individual in the church. And we tried not to be robotic with it. We go over uh, what connections were made. Um, and, and at that time, too, we'll, we'll open up and we'll share if maybe we've connected with somebody and we found a specific need. We've connected with somebody and we feel like there's uh, room for more encouragement. And then we'll uh, have one another kind of reach out to that person and have multiple contacts mm. as well. You know, you mentioned the ministry of presence. Um, I've for a long time referred to the power of presence. Mm. Uh, you mentioned the death of a friend. I remember uh, I lost my father. He had a sudden heart attack on a Sunday morning and uh, went to be with the Lord. And I had some friends, uh, matter of fact, I, th- I think you may, you may know them, uh, Keith Matthews and Brad Hoff. Mm-hmm. And I did not call them. I don't know who did. But somehow they found out that my father died. And though they lived uh, over two hours away, they immediately got in the car and they drove to Wichita Falls. And that afternoon we were sitting there and they just pulled up and got out of the car. And there's just something intangible, unexplainable, but yet undeniable when you know someone is there, mm. when you know someone is with you, 
I mean, uh, I know it speaks to, to death again, but, you know, I think of it when Jesus came to Mary and Martha after Lazarus passed away. The Bible says he went into the house and he saw Mary and all of the people there, and he was moved with compassion and he wept. Mm. This was Jesus. He already knew Lazarus had died. Matter of fact, if one could make an argument that he orchestrated it to reveal the glory of God, mm. but yet just that presence being with people, uh, it moved him with compassion and he shared in their emotion. I, I say all that. I don't think I have to convince anyone, especially during this pandemic, uh, how much presence matters. Right. Um, but I, I almost feel like there, 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 we, I feel like we have to acknowledge two things. The first is that there's no real substitute. There is no real substitute to being with someone. But the second is that effort and activity goes exponentially far lengths in, in making what connection you can. Does, does mm. that make sense? Oh yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And because, you know, and I, I don't know who said it and I don't, or, or who said it, or I don't know if I read it, but it's, it's that classic saying of people don't know what you know until they know how much you care. And yeah. They don't care how much you know. Yeah. And, and, and that's really, that's really the key. And, and I think about, um, you know, even when you open the podcast and I do appreciate those things that you said, uh, about me, but that's one of the things that, uh, I I've thought about through the years is, is it's, it's just like, how do I want to be treated as a person? That's how I want to treat other people, you know? And, and if there's any way through this pandemic that we have the opportunity to show people what love looks like, to show people what compassion looks like, to show people what the church of God should look like. Now is the time, you know, and, and I think that that's where I have mixed emotions personally about everything that's going on. I have those days where I'm like, man, I miss my friends. And, and you know, uh, I, I, we have a mutual friend, Chris Prince, and, and I give him a hard time sometimes because I don't like to be touched personally. You know, people that know me well know that, but I don't mind giving big hugs because I like to hug people. And I've, I've sent text messages to a couple of our friends and I've made that statement. I've said, as soon as this is over, be prepared for a very uncomfortable hug because I'm going to hug you <laughs> and you, you're just going to have to deal with it because I, I, I mean, I want you to know how I feel. And it's just... We need people to know that not only do we need them, but we want them to know that we miss them. We miss that communication. We miss that relationship. And I think that that's where we have an opportunity right now to take a step back is, is what I've said several times in conversations with friends and reevaluate the way we've lived in the past and say, okay, moving forward, it's going to look different. I think so. I think we we do have an opportunity uh, that we that we have to take advantage of. But through this, uh, you know, our weekly leadership meetings, we have done that with more regularity than we ever had leadership meetings before. Hmm. Our connections, we have made those more a priority than we ever made them before. And 
it, if anything, it has shown us the value, but it has also shown us the way that we can incorporate it into our lives instead of kind of sitting back and saying, oh, well, that's too difficult to meet once a week. It's too difficult to hold myself accountable, to reach out to people weekly and with uh, intention mm. and determination. But when you do it, all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is, this is feasible. This is, this is something that really is, is easy to do. And why, why would I not continue to do it? You know, I, I thought I'd make mention, uh, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity in reality, if you're seeking, if you're looking for a way to make a difference, uh, you, you really, you really can find it. You know, we, uh, a couple months ago, uh, we're a small church and our assistant pastor's wife, uh, used Amazon and their automatic reorder feature, uh, to get the supplies for the church. And so sometimes we've got a little bit more toilet bowl cleaner than we need at other times, uh, we may not have enough of the air fresheners and might have to supplement it. But for the most part, it relieves her of having to check something every week. And it gives the church the supplies that we need. Well, uh, one day she got a notice from Amazon that the toilet paper supplier that we were using uh, was no longer available. So she went on, or it was actually the paper towels, forgive me. So the paper towels were not available. So she went in and she thought she was ordering paper towels. Well, come to find out she ordered two cases of toilet paper hmm. and they were these huge packages, uh, 24 double rolls, toilet paper. She ordered two cases, but our Amazon order was on repeat. So the error actually happened about three months in a row. Oh, and wow. we ended up with quite a few cases of toilet paper, uh, much more than the church would need. Hmm. Well, that was, the, we, we, we ended up, catching the error, stopping the order. And that was probably a month and a half before all of this happened. And sure enough, within a week of this pandemic and stores running out of supplies, we realized then this huge shortage of toilet paper. Well, you know, man, I want to make an impact. We want to serve our community. So I went on a community Facebook group that I'm connected with that has about 16,000 members of our, our community. And I just put, you know, our church has toilet paper. If you need some, I'll be at the church at this time, these dates, come up and you can have a package. Well, that, that post got over 300 likes and shares and comments. Uh, the community newspaper actually featured us in our church because we gave out, I think it ended up being 13 or 14 packs of toilet paper. Hmm. Um, but, but literally, it, it's a time when you know, we are searching when everyone is searching. And if we just put a little bit of effort, if we use a little bit of ingenuity and really kind of take whatever gifts or even serendipitous accidents may be in our lap, uh, we can make an impact with those in a really strong one. Mm, that, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And it, it, it's funny because like you said, it wasn't even that it was a, a, a large amount, but people recognize when you you come and you're like, I don't have much to give, but here's what I do have to give. And I just want to help. I'm just here to help. Right now, if the church will just step out of the doorway and we're being pushed out of the doorway, we're not just stepping out, right? But if we would just step out of the doorway and, and look at our communities and just say, you know what? How can I help? I'm just here to help. What ways can we add value to our communities? The communities 
will will open their arms and say, Hey, we, we need this. We need that. And it's an opportunity to just get busy and do whatever we can do to add value. It's, it's all about adding value to our communities. And this is an opportunity for us to do that. Absolutely. It is. It's, it's, it's an opportunity like, like never before. It literally is a, a platform that's raised high with amazing acoustics. If we just open up our mouth and, and, and shout, if we, if we do what we can, you know, I've, I've spoken to so many pastors, you know, thankfully our church, we had already set up the ability to, to stream our services. We were already online. And so we already had a lot of that technology in place and we just maybe tried to up our game a little bit and polish it and, you know, uh, sand off some rough edges, but so many other churches like are totally new to the game of streaming and online services and they've been stretched. And I've talked to so many pastors that in their insecurity, they're like, man, we don't, we don't want to put our services online. I don't want everybody to be able to see that, but if we don't, then no one will be able to see it. And so they put it online and despite their lack of polish, despite their technological pizzazz, just the fact that they have put out the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm. that they have shared his love, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the power of his spirit, the promise of his name. It has, it has impacted people's lives and people have reached out desiring to get baptized, desiring to seek after the spirit, desiring to know more from presentations that they themselves admit are, are woefully inadequate in regards to, you know, what is available technologically. But just the fact that they've been willing to kind of step on that stage that our circumstance and our environment has provided and do and offer what they can has made all the difference. It's, it's tremendous, uh, really, the, the availability or, I guess, the reach that, that technology has given us. I heard, I think it was Aaron Bounds, a minister from, oh, I don't know, up north somewhere. He was talking about technology. And... He specifically mentioned he mentioned the Roman roads. He he talked how historians have recognized that Rome and its building and structuring of of roads uh, was almost uh, ordained, and I think we could trust that it was by God to to be put in place right before uh, the expansion of the gospel, and literally when the gospel was being presented, when missionaries were traveling all over the modernized world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were doing it on Roman roads that had been built. And there was a structure in place for travel uh, with ease like never before. Well, literally, a structure has been put in place for ministry to go forward like never before. You know, it's interesting, though, and I'll, I'll kind of take a little turn in our conversation here, if you'll allow me. What, what is a huge blessing has also brought about a real challenge uh, because I was sitting there on my uh, living room couch scrolling through multiple services like I have started to do every Sunday afternoon since this pandemic started. And, oh, I wonder what this service was like. I wonder who preached at this church. I wonder, you know, what happened on this live stream. And here we were. I was watching a service and it was uh, the sound was on. I didn't have any kind of headphones on. And my seven-year-old son was sitting there on the couch beside me. And the minister 
said, let's all pray right now. And the shame, I, I, just the overwhelming guilt, when my seven-year-old stops what he's doing, turns around and bows down on the couch to pray, just like the minister had said. And man, like I had to race to, 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 to join him, you know? Um, but, but to me, it was a challenge, you know, in that as, as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, not somebody who, who just needs to hear the message, but as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have to get to a point where I don't become, you know, just inundated with some sort of consumer mentality where when I do hear this message, I allow it to speak to me. I'm prepared to receive it, you know, and I'm not trying to vilify, you know, watching other church services. Um, but at the same time, there, there's a challenge that's there. I, well, I think that you, you brought up a, a very um, a good point in, in the fact that, you know, I, I think it was uh, on a podcast that we recently did with um, Andrew Suarez, and we talked about taking the church into the home. We talked about our kids watching us throughout the pandemic and what's taking place. We've talked, we talked about a whole lot of things, but that's what, what you just said reminded me of in the sense that we have to make sure that as we do internet church, the worship service is still the worship service. The preaching is still the preaching. Our response to the gospel message is still the response to the gospel message. Otherwise, it becomes possibly entertainment, just like any other entertainment. And then what does that do to our children's idea or concept or perception of church or God? So there's a, there's a balancing act, I think, that has to be put together as, as we progress through that, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, in my mind, and, and obviously there's different opinions about this, you know, um, many people, you know, traditionally, probably the way you were raised, certainly the way I was raised, you know, you dressed up for church, you wore your best to church. And I feel like for the most part, the church has recognized that the power of God is not contingent upon what you're wearing. And, you know, whether you're dressed casual or dressed to the nines, God can still move and the gospel can still be proclaimed and, and we can still worship. But I almost feel like more than ever before, uh, there's a necessity to get your family up and to get ready for church. I think of the, mm. I think it's the 15 Psalms of Ascent uh, in the book of Psalms. We don't know for sure historically if those were Psalms that were sung by people traveling to Jerusalem during the festivals or perhaps the Levites as they ascended the steps of the temple, perhaps both. But we do know that they were sung in preparation for worship. And it really behooves us, it challenges us, you know, when, when service is going to be in our living room, when you're going to be able to cast it via YouTube to our smart TV, it, it really behooves us to, to not just sit there and recline in our PJs, mm. but to have some sort of preparation. You know, maybe, maybe you're going to wear your PJs and I don't care, uh, but at least be up in time enough to spend some time in prayer. If all we're doing is watching dismissively or using it as entertainment, like you mentioned, we're teaching our children that this is only real if we're there. This is only real if we can join in that 
building that we go to. And the truth of the matter is, is we don't believe that, or at least we know we shouldn't. You know, God's truth is real no matter where we are. If, if the worship of God necessitates demonstrative response, then it necessitates it wherever you are. And, and we have to challenge ourselves to make sure that we're setting an example and we're uh, portraying the same type of worship at home as much as possible as, as we do in the house of God. You know, this is, this is a lot of good information and I love that point that you bring up. So as everything changes, and I know that each um, governor is going to make modifications and we really, I think, I think the entire U S is kind of waiting to see what's going to happen as far as how soon churches are going to begin to go back to business as usual or as business as, as usual can be or can look. But with that being said, how do you think people's perceptions of the worship service or churches in general is going to change when they go back to church? Wow. I think that that is as varied and diverse as any group of worshipers uh, are to begin with, you know, uh, while we've been on this call, I've had multiple texts because Governor Abbott, you know, has released guidelines for churches to to go back to worshiping in services, and um, there there are saints that they're 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 done, they're fed up, you know, with shelter in place, and they're ready to go back and worship right now. I have other saints that um, are very cautious and very concerned. And they have practiced strict social distancing when they have helped at the church. Uh, we've only, we've operated within what we feel like are, are the strictest of guidelines that have been set forth by our county and our local government and have only had teams that are necessary for streaming in our building and tried to keep social distancing within that. And so we've had people that, you know, they'll show up with gloves on and masks as, as is the CDC's recommendation and, you know, keep strict social distancing. And so, you know, I feel like we're going to have every uh, part of the spectrum. We'll have saints that are ready to be a part of the family of God in a very traditional sense and hugging one another and touching one another and being close to one another. And then we'll have saints that are wanting, you know, to re remain very socially distant. It's, it's a true challenge. You know, we've had leadership meetings where I've expressed basically three, three goals. You know, first off, the goal is to uh, uh, serve the body of Christ, to lead in worship, to minister in the word, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Um, the second goal is to, to keep them safe and be mindful of their health and their well-being. The third goal is to be mindful of our witness in our community and not to do something so foolish or so brash that would ruin our testimony to the people that we feel called to serve. Our primary purpose is to see people come to know the Lord. And so we have to be mindful of the way, not only that our saints will perceive a church reopening, but also that our community will perceive our church reopening. You know, I, I, I feel like at least I can say, as far as those guiding principles, 
you know, while we're going to be considerate of our image and our reflection in the community that we're seeking to save, and while we're going to be trying to ensure as much as possible the safety of our of our saints, ultimately, um, I think I think the necessity is 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 to have a plan. You know, to not be slipshod, to not be total reactionary. You know, to have a plan. Habakkuk two and two says to uh, write down the vision and make it plain, so that he who runs may read it. If you're running, you don't have a lot of blood flow. Uh, uh, focusing on your mental acuity, you know? So the idea is you want to make it really plain so that people can see this is the plan that we have. And so we as a church are going to try to put out a plan that says as we enter back into congregational worship, we're going to put out some guidelines. Ultimately, we can't police those guidelines and we can look at our community and know that there's been very little policing of, you know, uh, uh, printed and, and, and proclaimed guidelines in general, you know, but basically we can put out those guidelines. We can encourage our saints to abide by them and, and do everything that we can. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, uh, there is an element of just trusting God and putting it in his hands and saying, Lord, we're trying to be a good steward of what you've given us. And when we steward what you've given us in a way that honors you, then that opens up your hand to bless, you know, the remainder. And, and so uh, I think those are the only guiding principles that you, that you can have, you know, as far as, um, you know, what strategy you implement and, and what specifics you do, I think you've got to do it with a, that, that, that principle, you know, uh, foundation of, you know, we're going to offer these guidelines. We're going to encourage these guidelines. And at some point, we're going to trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. No, I think, I think that that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. But as you mentioned earlier, this is something that you would have to be over 100 years old to have been a baby when our society uh, encountered something similar. You know, mm-hmm. many people have looked back to the Spanish flu and the you know, 1915 to 1918, and you know how that affected our society. Unless you're over a hundred years old, uh, you weren't even alive, and even then, you were a child and didn't even know what was going on. Right. I had heard a story of Robert Louis Stevenson. He uh, wrote Treasure Island and uh, was a child in Great Britain uh, back when uh, streetlights were lit by a lamplighter guy would come along with a ladder and climb the pole and open the little glass door and light the lamp. And he, in his memoir, recalled that he would sit there at his bedroom window and watch the lamplighter come down the street. And especially when darkness had already fallen and the lamplighter was coming down the street, it looked like he was punching holes in the darkness. It was early March We'd heard of the coronavirus overseas, but it really hadn't, I think it was actually late February, but it hadn't really uh, become uh, something that we were dealing with in the United States and preached a sermon on being the light and how, you know, darkness would come as it comes into every life. And when it came, we as a church had to be ready to punch holes 
in the darkness, looking mm. for those opportunities, the opportunities we talked about just a little bit ago, you know, we, we had to find those opportunities and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see churches doing that, coming together, you know, with whatever they need, individuals, whatever way they can, trying to, trying to punch holes in, in the darkness. Man, that's awesome. I, I love that illustration. Well, Jason, I think that we've, we've covered basically uh, the majority of the things that, that were on my mind. And I love your perspective. One of the things about you and, and uh, our mutual friend, Chris Prince, and I, we've talked about it offline, is you, you know, although you and I are closer to age, uh, the same age than Chris and I, um, but you have, you have such a ability to just to take a step back and have a just a level headedness about you in the sense of you're not quick to develop opinions. You want to take a step back and have a solid look at an entire situation before you rush to conclusions or judgments or, or opinions or, or whatever that is. And I think that that served you well. And so now in the middle of this, I think that that's where your leadership at your local church and as their, their pastor, I think that they are benefiting greatly from that. And just hearing the things that you were talking about on the podcast this afternoon, uh, I think reinforces that just to me. And I'm glad that uh, we got to connect several years ago. And it, what's funny is it's always on, on the phone or it's always uh, in passing, but, but we really have to uh, make it happen. I do have a reason to come to Austin um, after all of this is, is finished. And, and I, I do, when I drive my parents pastor, not too far from you, I do pass through your city when I do go visit them. So, so we need to, that's, we need to get together. That's awesome. We definitely need to get together. I am a lover of good food and there's a ton of it in this area. So we do, we need to come down. We need to uh, break some bread and uh, talk and visit. I'm sure it will be a long meal and uh, <laughs> uh, conversation. But yeah. I can't, I can't think enough, Brandon. I, I always, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your wisdom and your willingness to, to look at a situation and a circumstance from all different angles, you know, and thank you for your compliment. I don't know that it's well-deserved. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I am a fool that rushes in. I've got a sanguine personality. Um, and uh, I'm reminded of, you know, Peter in the Bible, you know, who, you know, oh, wow. I'll serve you forever. And then cursing God under his breath. Ah. Unfortunately, I'm, unfortunately I'm fickle like that many times, but, but God is good and his grace is sufficient. So it's, it's great to talk to you, Brandon. Yeah. So before we sign off, why don't you um, tell us uh, where the church is located or tell us how to get in contact with you? Because if anybody listens and they're in your local area, we definitely want them to be able to connect with you. I always say that if you want to, grow in your journey, your experience with God, and you're looking for somebody that can do that with you uh, in the local areas, because we do interviews with people all over the U.S., and we want to make sure that they have that connection. Uh, here's your opportunity to talk a little bit about that, so why don't you uh, fill us in? Absolutely. Pflugerville is located just north of Austin, Texas. We border Austin, Texas to the south, and we border Round Rock, which is really well known to the north but we're part of the greater metropolitan area of Austin. And you can find us online at Way of Life, P.F. Pflugerville, the name Pflugerville, 
starts with a P, spelled PF. Uh, the P, of course, is silent. So wayoflifepf.com. We're on Facebook, wayoflifepf.com. And on Instagram, we have a YouTube channel with all of our services and sermons online and are streaming right now Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday nights at 7.15, both on Facebook Live connected to our church's page and on YouTube connected to our YouTube channel. So many opportunities to connect. We have a Zoom life group meeting uh, the day that this is being recorded, uh, but from time to time, men's prayer online, ladies' prayer online, and of course, Lord willing, uh, and under his direction, we'll start joining in person to worship together soon. So we would love for you to connect with us and together we can share what God is doing and learn from him and learn from each other by his grace. Awesome. With that, that's another episode of the Church in Fix. And as always, you have the opportunity to hit the uh, subscribe button if you are listening on Apple Podcast. And I follow Apple Podcast a little bit more than I do the other platforms that we're on, but I'm sure that you have the ability to subscribe on those as well. But make sure that you do that. That way, as soon as a new episode is uploaded, you have the opportunity to listen to that. And we welcome feedback. So you can easily contact us either by leaving us a rating, even if it's creative criticism. Leave that rating for us when you have that chance. And we will have more episodes launching soon. Thanks again.